0: Listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington, we are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Uh, we have a great, great morning together. I mean, it's already been great. Um, I, in this series on pneumatic believers, I'm going to take a, two weeks to talk about something that at first might be whoo. Um, But I want to put it in its proper category. I'm looking out, and it's amazing when I look out at our church family. There's a lot of young adults. There's a lot of young people. There's a lot of young families. Uh, I don't necessarily fit into that category, but I do. I push my way in there. I demand to be a part of that group. But this topic is very, very important. Um, Today, as we look at the Scripture in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16... Talking about Jesus, it said that evening they brought to him, brought to Jesus, many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word. Fascinating. And healed all who were sick. And I want to lean into this topic because I think that this topic needs to be on your dashboard. It has to be there because of its impact on our lives. And yet it shouldn't be this big like dangerous button, don't touch that button that like we, it takes on such prominence that it becomes this terrifying or over dramatized thing. I honestly think that that's one of the issues about this topic. If I were to ask the average person in this room and I were to ask you like, what role have demons and spirits? And notice that those two words are used kind of simultaneously. They're the same thing. They're speaking of the same group of people. Like saying a dad or a man, it's demons and spirits. It's the same thing. Um, I don't know where I was going with that thought, but uh, brain fog for a second. But um, this this impacts our lives in a way that we want to make sure that we have a good understanding of what's at play. That uh, What I was going to say is I think sometimes in our culture that we put this on such a weird over-dramatized perspective. Like for me growing up, one of the big movies that I shouldn't have seen as a child was The Exorcist. Or maybe for you, it was the movie's paranormal activity where do- cabinets are flying up and a lady's being dragged up the stairs. And that's what we look at when we think about demons and spirits. There is a much more practical and effective function in the average person's life than cupboard doors swinging open and somebody being dragged upstairs. And so as a church family, I I especially want you to be aware of the reality of spirits and demons, to understand their entry points, to be able to discern their activity. Your flat tire may not be a demon. It might be your failure to keep track of air pressure. Anybody tracking with me? And as Flip Wilson, the great theologian, used to say, the devil made me do it. No, that's probably not the case. However there is activity that can happen in the lives of unbelievers and believers. And understanding what's taking place, you want to not only be able to discern their activity, but walk in authority over them because God, that's one of the reasons Jesus came. And also be wise enough to reposition yourself so that they don't have re-entry into the the land that they're trying to attack that makes up your life. Amen? So let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to, to declare your word. Lord, there's certainly doctrine and theology here, but it needs to land on the spot for each hearer that there's a greater awareness, an understanding of maybe some of the things that they've been through previously when they were a child and what they grew up under isn't just, you know, just, ah, our family was rough. No, there was something else that was also going on there. And it will help them to be able to how, know how to cut the head of that snake off to make a change in their family tree, to refuse now to allow this thing to impact their lives because it's not just a circumstance of life, but it's 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 an attack that can be pushed back and subdued, especially for those who are young and getting married and getting ready to have children or have young children or have teenagers, Lord, for our church family to have a good balance in this. It's on the radar. It's not the main thing, but when it shows up, it's dealt with. That that would be how we can function as a church family. Father, I thank you for all the good things that you're doing in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Give, me, give the Lord a big hand as you're seated. High five the person next to you. Grab your Bible. And of course, uh, you can go ahead and you can grab my notes using that QR code. Uh, we'll probably take a couple of weeks to take a look at this. Um, again, I, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, I kind of need to grab somebody. Shane, come up here because uh, I know that I can push you around pretty easily based on our physiques. Um, and I want to stick you over here just for a second. And I, and I want to kind of point out, just uh, jump up over here. Do what I say, man. Don't mean, don't. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's my buddy. Okay, I, I want you just to understand, as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, the function of the Holy Spirit is meant to empower us and direct us and to guide us. You no, know, when you as an unbeliever before were living your life, you're just wandering around in like whatever you were attracted to and you wanted and whatever caught your eye. And so you're having to muscle and willpower it. There are some other influences going along. But when you gave your life to Jesus, he points you in the direction. And just for a moment, let's consider this guitar here is God's best for your life. And it represents your life. It represents your body. It represents your mind, your will, your emotions, your desires, the internal shame. And it also represents spiritual things. And so what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life as you give your life to Jesus, you've been wandering around. The Holy Spirit wants to influence your life, he, and point your attention, reveal the good things that God has for you, and then help to push you along in the journey. And if you're like Shane, if you're like me, if you're like any normal person, Oh, squirrel! And we start to go that way. And the Spirit of God is so good to redirect our lives. And, and at moments when we feel like we can't go any further, he actually gives us the strength and pushes us along, okay? So Shane, you're doing a phenomenal job. Come back. Give Shane a big hand. All right, great job. Now, here's the thing. Prior to your relationship with Jesus, believe it or not, your own desires were driving you along And there's also some evil that was pushing you towards things that you shouldn't be after. Come in all kinds of different forms, things introduced into your life, things that are suggested from as small as, oh, you're not cool enough unless you do what they say, okay? And this activity begins to function in our life. Some of you have had a huge degree of unholy spirit activity in your life, because you grew up maybe in a childhood home where you were vulnerable, where your family was crazy. There was all sorts of doors open to all sorts of things. There was alcohol and sexuality, and there was violence and all kinds of stuff came into your world. And so you as a very small child were impacted possibly by the demonic, by unholy spirits, because the people that should have been guarding you and protecting you didn't know how, didn't know what to do, didn't know how much your lives, their, your life would be impacted by their failure to protect you. One of, the, one of the big, we'll talk about this next week, one of the big entry points for this activity is especially, you could see it in the Bible, in small children, okay? Children, and, we'll, and I'll get into that in just a moment. But here's the thing is, as, as your life is being moved along and the Holy Spirit's directing you towards his very best, your very best is going to be contested. Now, when we talk about the demonic, we imagine uh, if you grew up like I did where the movie was The Exorcist, a small girl is filled with Satan and the parents begin to discover and the demonic is this girl's head spinning around and vomiting pea soup on the priest with the cross and the, you know, the, uh, the garlic to try to drive the demon out of her. And we're like, whoa, it's crazy. Or it's the paranormal activity, the door is swinging wide. Well, I want to pull the demonic and the unholy spirit stuff into its proper realm because that's about 1% of how what it looks like. There is a far more effective and repeated manner in which probably the enemy works in your life. Give Shane a big hand for being a doing a, being a good buddy and a great job and Wow, oh, wow, go easy. Okay. So with that, uh, number one thing I want to say to you this morning as we kind of go through, this will be a little bit teaching, and we're going to get to pray at the end. I especially want to advertise next Sunday evening, uh, Spirit Night, because we're going to be fasting all this week. We're going to be believing for an increased push in your life of the Holy Spirit as you learn how to embrace the Holy Spirit as we've been talking about him, and also that you'll recognize how this attacks are maybe coming into your life, and that you will rise up and discern them and then begin to fight back and take the ground that God has given to you and for your children. Um, demonic activity is not only visible in the extremes, and I've already kind of demonstrated that by you know, sharing about you know, stuff like um, uh, the exorcist. And it's true because although in the New Testament we do see a man named the Legion who is filled with a legion of demons, so much so that he's been banished from the city and he's chained up but he breaks his chains regularly. He howls at night, he's in extreme torture and so he pulls out rocks and he begins to self-harm himself to find relief. And while that is an account in the New Testament, there are so many other much smaller, much more practical accounts of demonic activity and people's lives that we see in scripture. First, uh, First Kings chapter 22, verse 22, we have a political leader who is being nudged and pushed by a, it's called this, a deceiving spirit. It's not possessed him, but as he's walking along, it's bumping him and whispering in his ear, getting him to buy into something that's not true so that he makes wrong decisions and he, he flushes his nation down the drain. It's like anything that you see on the news today. Okay, moving along. Numbers chapter 5, 14, because that's still on a high level. Let me bring it down to the next level. A husband, Numbers chapter 5, who is influenced by a spirit of jealousy. His wife has given him... No reason to not trust her, but every time she goes out the door, in his mind, he's like, where's she going? What's she doing? Who's she talking to? Oh my gosh, I think she's cheating on me. And so a spirit of jealousy comes over to make him believe that his wife has been unfaithful. Now, why is that such a valuable thing? The enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy. He will destroy anything he can and anything you allow him to, and these whispers cause a man who otherwise has a good marriage to believe the deception of the enemy, so his behavior, because he's suspicious, begins to actually choke the relationship. And so the enemy, while she's not been unfaithful, the enemy celebrates because he's actually destroying his relationship that God's given him based on a lie, a lie that goes into his mind but affects his emotions. That's really, you're gonna see, the demonic and the Holy Spirit, there's both the spirit of God and the spirit of evil wants to uh, works in conjunction and does have an impact on our emotions. Or how about Mark chapter nine? And this is this is big. This affects our world today. I believe this affects our world today more than you might realize. Mark chapter nine. There is a child who has been born deaf and dumb, unable to speak. And the Bible says that when Jesus dealt with him, he did not heal him. He cast out a spirit. The boy appears to have a medical condition, but the root cause for the medical condition is actually evil. And it's amazing because you begin to discover that the the enemy in attacking, if he can't possess you, have your head spin around and spew pea soup, which honestly is only good for Hollywood, to be able to impact your physical health in a way that the doctors can't even figure out what's going on, and yet you spend your whole life. How valuable is your hearing and how valuable is your ability to speak? Everyday practical. And that's where this is really the, the shelf on which uh, the the enemy is so much more active and effective. And I have to ask you this question. Consider this. In what ways maybe have unholy spirits impacted your life? Now, over the next couple of weeks, I'll be challenging you to kind of consider that. But again, don't turn it into this great big horrific button that if we even look at, ah, but just an understanding of as I'm walking along in my life, since I've been a child, What what things keep showing up in my life pushing on me in a way to keep me going around the circle experiencing the same thing over and over and over? Because if you come out of a real healthy family background, there might not be a whole lot. You grew up with amazing parents who loved God, protected you well, you went through some stuff, but it wasn't maybe some of the crazy stuff you hear from the person sitting next to you that grew up in a completely different environment, but even you who grew up in a good environment, the enemy's always looking for a place of effectiveness because if he can't grab you in a headlock, he'll be satisfied just to keep you just a hair off of the good things that God has for you. Okay, next slide here. Um, Effective demonic activity can be the result of extreme sinful behavior. But about 95% has nothing to do with that. And I think the enemy wants us to believe that because we picture like another movie I should not have seen as a young child was Rosemary's Baby. Basically a woman whose husband, they get involved with a cult, a lot of drugs involved with a cult. The husband has a discussion with Satan who has made a deal with him that he can become pretty powerful if he's allowed to know in a biblical way his wife And so while she's drugged up in a satanic ritual, this is all sounding crazy, because it is, she is impregnated, and she discovers later that it's the devil that is her baby. And we see that type of stuff, and we're like, oh, that's insane, and we want to put all demonic activity on the shoulders and into the realm of people who have done some of the worst things. Surely surely, people like Hitler would have demonic activity going on in their life. And yet the reality is, Demonic activity can impact people who are vulnerable, not protected. Some of the, some of the biggest stopgaps that we have in this church are for the children that meet in that room over there. Why? Because while in our presence, we're going to do everything that we can to protect them because of the most vulnerable Okay, we not only have cameras, but we have security, we have protocol, and while we've not had a problem, you let there, you you watch a problem walk in and try to harm one of our children, I promise you it's gonna get taken care of quickly. Why? Because we have a responsibility to protect the vulnerable. Amen. And in a spiritual way, as as a parent, as my children were born into my home, the, aws, the awe of I'm not only physically responsible to provide for my child, but protect my child, but spiritually I'm here to protect my child and train them up so that they can become strong, someday protect themselves, and then they can teach their children after them to protect themselves so that they don't have to go through some of the trauma that we see people experience in Scripture. So that's why children are so susceptible to this type of activity. Listen... Just a news flash for you. Night terrors that children have are not just bad dreams sometimes. Sometimes, because of things that have happened and people who have lived in the house or people that you've associated with or ways people have grown up, sometimes the thing that a child is trying to describe to you is actually happening and is actually going on. Now, not everything. There's not a dinosaur in the closet, probably. But sometimes there's some stuff that's going on that there should be the spirit of God within you as a believer that rises up and says, whoa, 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 what did you say? I remember one time Val was probably, I think that she was probably, in 1995, how old were you? No, 95? You were, or, no, 2002, I'm sorry. You were nine years old. When we were nine years old, we stepped onto brand new church, brand new church property that we had, we, when we first moved here to Vancouver, and the women were all going off on a, on a weekend away, and there was a man who pulled onto the property to drive, drop off his wife. And Val would have been the super curly head little girl who would, you know, she was all up in your face and pulling your face close, and hi daddy and hi mommy, and very expressive and very, very embracing everyone. And so Pastor Rowena was leaving to go away on this weekend, and Val, I watched her slink back on the property and go stand. And she was watching and almost fearful and afraid watching something. And I went and asked her, what do you, and she didn't want to tell me what she's looking at. She was looking at a man on our property who was dropping off his wife, who was a regular attender of the church. But this man had a background of molestation that was ongoing. And I learned really quick that there's a level of discernment inside a vow that picks up on stuff like this. It's a gifting from God. It's something that we can all function in. And I want to tell you, we dealt not long after with that gentleman. And some people said, how are you to judge? That's something in his past. No, it's going on right here and right now. He would sit his child on his knee during church inappropriately, his granddaughter. And I told him, you are no longer welcome at this church. I talked with his wife. I said what he used to do in his past, he continues to do now. You need to separate him from his grandchildren because he is grooming her. Is this okay? I'm just gonna be honest with you today. Okay, I care about you, and I want you to see that there are stuff that will step into your life if you don't rise up and protect with the authority that God has given you. This this lovely woman, but who loved her husband... (laughs) more than righteousness, refused to believe it, and later on, he ended up in prison for molesting another grandchild, okay? And it's a vulnerable child. So I didn't plan on telling you that story, but it's important to understand, I will bet you anything, I'll bet you anything, that the man who ended up in prison, I believe has since passed away in jail, I'm not positive, but in his childhood, probably the same thing happened to him. We See, we have this tendency to really get angry at that, a man like that who's doing that type of stuff. And yes, there should be a righteous anger, but the reality is most people who function in that realm have been a victim at some point in their life. And if you've ever been a victim in your life of the attack of, because that's, that's, that's dark, that's the devil at work. If you've ever been a victim of that, there's freedom for you, and there's a place to rise up and walk in Jesus free from what has been done to you, free from the the tentacles in your innocence that the enemy sunk into you and is trying to manipulate you into following the same path. And there's a freedom that can come out of you as you rise up in victory in Jesus over that and the power of the Holy Spirit to discern and help to set other people free. See, that's the thing. As someone who grew up in crazy town, Boy, my my radar goes off quite frequently, but it's not so, ooh, that person is evil. No, 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 that person probably needs freedom. And when you you confront evil with the truth, in love, but in truth, did you hear me, what I said? In truth, but in love. In truth, but love. But truth, but love. I'm less interested in you feeling good as long as you know you're loved, but we call true truth for the sole purpose of seeing the thing the enemy is trying to do to your life unlocked and you to get back to pursuing the thing that God has for you, amen? A little subdued in here today, Well, yeah. didn't know we are planning on going there. This is, this is an important topic for you. And I'm not saying every moment of every day you're having to deal with this, but there are some key areas where the enemy is working to find effective ground in your life. See, we think so often about the Holy Spirit as possessing us. Like the Holy Spirit's gonna jump on you, he's gonna put you in a headlock, he's gonna fill you up and then drag you to the things that God has for you. No, 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 no. He comes into your life and he, he whispers, he speaks, he empowers, he encourages as you participate, yeah. right? As you yield to him, he takes more ground for the kingdom of God in your life. As, you, as you're terrified, the actual conversation was beyond just that. I said, you know what? This sounds like a great chance for you to trust God. <laughs> and she said, okay, I'm going to trust God. And what she was actually doing is saying, fear is occupying an area of my life called my finances. The the enemy is saying, you're not gonna have enough, but I'm gonna step off and I'm gonna invite God through his principles and I'm gonna say, Lord, I'm gonna trust you. And as I surrender my territory that used to be wrapped up in fear to the enemy, I'm gonna invite God on it and trust him. All of a sudden I find I've got all this room I'm no longer uh, boxed in. And so the, as the Holy Spirit functions that way, so does the enemy. Don't think in terms of possession of your very being, think in possession of just this small corner of your life. But this small corner is very valuable if it's just the arena of fear. Some of you have experienced some really traumatic events and they were terrible, but the residue that you continue to struggle with is the fear that something like that is going to happen again. And you know what? That's not the heart of God, that's not the will of God, but if you continue to stare at that spot, afraid to take over your own spot, the fear will occupy that spot. And how, that, how effective is that? Again, your head's not spinning around and spewing pea soup, right? There's no priest who's being attacked and beaten, right? But what's happening is you wake up in the morning and you wonder, is it gonna be one of those mornings where this is gonna be the heaviest weight that I feel? Is this gonna be, I, I have an appointment to meet with my boss, oh no. It's, it's, and everything begins to be, Flavored by this very small piece, no spinning heads, but man, you want to talk about a ball and chain to drag through your life. That thing that happened to you is going to happen again. Oh, your parents got divorced, huh? Oh, yeah? Well, what makes you think that you're going to ever be able to do any better? You shouldn't even mess around with getting married. What's the point? You're probably going to end up divorced, anyways. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you, you're never going to qualify for somebody who's like, good, so. Take somebody who's willing and doesn't even meet the criteria. Yeah, it ends up, the enemy, if he can't possess you, which 99% is not the case, to be able to influence this little piece can be very effective over a lifetime. How many of you... You have terrible dreams, but when in the terrible dream, it's like me. It's being in high school. and It's the last day of school, and you forgot to take a class, and so you're running to try to get that teacher to give you a good grade so that you can graduate, and when you get to the door, you're naked. <laughs> you don't have that dream. I've had that dream, and all that is a deep-rooted insecurity of I'm not enough. Yeah. Somebody's going to find out that I'm not the person I need to be. And listen, that might be just a whisper. It used to be, though, when that whisper came across in my life, it affected how I approached every opportunity and every relationship. Now that whispers not necessarily completely gone away. I don't have those dreams anymore. I think they're actually funny now. In fact, it' be odd of running naked. "Hey, everyone." Um, that's what I plan to do in the next dream. Um, but now when that thought shows up and it still shows up pretty regularly, I recognize its source. Because not only have I pushed the enemy off that and he can no longer have a foothold, a piece of ground in my life, but I've surrendered that to the Lord and when the enemy shows up, I recognize it and I can easily keep him out because I actually have extra guards there because I know that that's the area that he attacks pretty regularly. So, um, man, I have got, this is actually half of a sermon and I'm not even a third of the way through it. (laughs) So vulnerable people, also ignorance. Some of you that would think, actually, I read about this demon stuff in the Bible, but that just doesn't, that's not for today. It doesn't happen today. If that's your thought, the problem with thinking that way is then, as things happen into your life that are actually attached to this, you know what you do? You just think that's how life is, and this is another trial. I'll just try to work through it and you actually end up allowing something to show up on your property, and you kind of live with it and try to compensate. In fact, your ignorance turns into a willingness to tolerate it, which allows the activity to continue. Life has its challenges. I guess this is my cross to bear. If it's God's will, it will change, and you end up allowing the enemy to put a, a collar around your ankle, and you have to drag that thing around. So the question is, again, What attacks, stalemates, or strongholds have you been living out and thinking to yourself, well, I guess this is just life. My family went through this, my grandparents. I've done ancestry.com. I think maybe just genetically, this is gonna be our thing. And I'm gonna have to live with it. And I wanna tell you, no, you don't. I don't care if it's a physical thing. I don't care. I listened to some guy, a guy talk about how every man in his family tree had been unfaithful to their, to their, to their spouses. And so as he got married as a young man, he just assumed, I probably am going to screw this up. And then God, no, 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 it can break with you. It can break with you. If you start to realize that, no, 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 I've given all of my territory to Jesus, and if there are some somebody encroaching on the property that belongs to Jesus, I can see it, recognize it, rise up within my, the strength that God has placed within me, and evict this squatter so that I can enjoy all of the good things that God has for me. That's the will of God for my life. And to be able to discern, no, that's, that's not something that we are going to just put up with. I watch some families, and it's it's just it's they it, talk about it's the opposite of privilege. It's demonic impact in family tree life. It's when a a, a, a somewhere's in your family, there's a, a leader of the family who's just you know just just destroys his family financially, and the children grow up in that circumstance with hardly anything, and well, we we just we're just poor. We're just poor. That's just how it is. We never have a whole lot. And it's like, it's, it's an a, a assumed position in life that I'm gonna just, you know, not believe for anything better. I'm not gonna work harder for anything better. You get what you get. It just really is kind of how it is. When we look at scripture and the heart of God is for you to prosper, not just financially, but prosper means do well in all areas. Anytime we use that word prosper, it's not talking about give a dollar, God's gonna give you a hundred we don't believe in that kind of math. We believe that when you surrender your life to God, he makes every nook and cranny of your life better than without him. And you step into the growth of that process. Um, it's breaking free and understanding that is a lie from the enemy. I just can't afford it. I hope that they have, uh, I, hope, I hope they have some, uh, somebody's given some gifts so that I can be able to go to that thing. Listen, there might be a place in your life where you have to rely on somebody paying your way. But when that happens, the Spirit of God should rise up in you and say, I am thankful that someone was generous. In order for me to be generous, I'm gonna have to have something to give. And it rises up within you and gets you up out of bed early and working hard and being faithful, learning to be generous. And so instead of just giving your tithe, you're like, hey, listen, we got a men's conference coming up. I wanna pay for two guys who couldn't afford to go to be able to come along with me. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. It's not only do you rise up and take possession of your ground that God has given you, but you rise up to take ground on behalf of other people. It's a beautiful thing with the kingdom of God. So where am I in this? Okay, Next slide. Uh, I'll jump to this one. Um, You know, evil spirits, they do possess, but really they are much more effective as they suggest, as they misdirect, as they nudge, as they budge, as they deceive. You know the bad thing about being deceived? You don't know you're deceived. We, uh, a big phenomenon when I was a teenager, let me just speak to you young adults and you students, and I'm just gonna smile, and hopefully you know I love you. One of the big challenges when I was growing up was anorexia. We had a, you look at a picture from 1970 of kids in high school, 1980, uh, the, the, the body mass index was very low back then. We didn't have all the processed foods, kids were a lot more active, we walked both ways to school uphill in a snowstorm. <laughs> Uh, you know, had to pick, pick our family food on the way, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but we actually had girls at our school who they thought they were overweight. I can assure you on a bad day they weren't, but it had gotten into their mind that they were overweight. There was a number of girls in my school, and it, it kind of was a contagion between one another. A couple girls hanging out together, and they all think they're overweight, And uh, do I look okay? Well, do you look okay? No, you look great, but I feel like I'm so, I look terrible. And so one of the big strategies was to not eat or to eat like crazy so everyone thought they were eating and then go into the bathroom and throw up. Maybe real plain. I thank God that the teachers at school and the the people who were in leadership back then recognized the truth and didn't tell them well, actually, you are fat and we'll get you some surgery so that you can restrict the amount of food going into your stomach so that you can actually get thin. There was no one who was prescribing that treatment. didn't exist, but there was no one prescribing that treatment to students in my school because it would be insane. Because the truth is, these young ladies had heard a lie and believed a lie. I remember having a conversation with a student one time, And I said, but you weigh 80 pounds. Yeah, but I'm fat, Pastor Steve. But you're not, but I am. And I'm ugly and I'm stupid. And I just stand back and think of the torment that person is going through, not because their head is spinning and they're spewing pea soup, but because something or someone has whispered in their ear and they believed a lie and they believe it like it's true. Now, mom, dad, you hear me for a second. You've got a lot of voices competing for the truth in your child's life. And while I would protect, I would encourage great oversight, great protection. You don't ever let your kids sleep over some house that you've not been to first. Don't ever do that fact, have the kids come over to your house, meet the parents there. And when your, your kids have people sleep over, you have eyes on what's going on in the, all rooms at all times. Because you love your kids, right? And so, but what I would challenge you to understand is as you rise up and take all the precautions, learn to battle in prayer so that when you come to the point where you realize this is something like this, a spirit of deception, and that's what it is, It's deception spoken from the depth of hell to destroy people's lives. A beautiful young girl who's starving herself and she's already underweight. Why? So that she could be trapped and she can become sick and die. The enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy. How would someone ever believe that that's true? Whispers of the wicked one. And it's gonna take more than just facts to convince someone of that. You're sitting at the park talking with another mom and maybe it's not anorexia but it's some other issue that their child is dealing with some should rise up on the inside of you and be like ooh mom mama i can I pray for you? And you start praying and you don't just pray, oh Lord, I pray you, you pray, bless this mama, help her. She's got some challenges. Oh, help her little girl over there. No, it's something rises up in you. In the name of Jesus, I speak life over this mom. Let her rise up as a strong warrior. Let her see the activity of the enemy in her home. Let her rise up the spirit of God within her to seize possession of the ground that's given to her by God. As mom, she has authority over her home. Let her have eyes that see, ears that hear, that she's able to see the source, speak to the source, and deal with the source. If that's you praying at the playground, the person that you just prayed for is going to be like, whoa, and I'm going to tell you something's going to shift inside of them. Something's going to shift inside of them. And to see People trying to convince people on social media why all this stuff is just ridiculous is is honestly like trying to convince demons. Not that the person is a demon, but some of this stuff is lit on fire by the enemy. And the only thing that's gonna actually shift it is A, truth, but B, the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God is not like the good guy in a cowboy movie whereas there's the bad guy that are the evil spirits, but it's like a man standing next to an ant. The spirit of God within people, a man or woman who knows their position in the things of God, who carries the spirit of God within them, walks over, if you go back to the verse that I read to you at the very beginning, and with a word, Jesus kicked them out. Wasn't a whole lot of wrestling. There wasn't crosses. There wasn't garlic. There's, there wasn't a conversation. What is your name? There wasn't all of this dramatic stuff that you see at times in the Christian world where people are pretending to be something that they're not. It's a word. You don't belong here. Get out. It's not a, you don't belong here. Get out. The person who has yet to step into that strength, it's you learning to step into the strength and understand God gave this to me this belongs to me, that is everything that's under my care, including my kids, my finances, my relationship, my income, my mental health, my physical well-being, and it causes you to rise up and say, "Mm, I got this mystery illness going on, and the doctors can't figure out "Mm, maybe it's not a actual illness. I don't know how many CDs I'm going to sell after this sermon, but stand with me. Um, there's this idea where the, they will not just suggest, misdirect, deceive, pervert, blind, vex, seduce, oppose. Some of you, God's got good things for you and you've tried to lean into it and it just won't break loose. Now, sometimes that's, that might be the spirit of God because you're just not ready to step into that spot. And so there's some time that's going on. If you talk with your leaders, they'll help you to be able to discern that. But sometimes it's the enemy trying to keep you from the good things that God has for you. You need to be able to discern the difference. And to be honest with you, the more that you partner with the Holy Spirit, the more obvious it will be. Sometimes your car breaks down because you just haven't been taking care of it. Sometimes your body is sick because you're not taking care of it. Sometimes your relationship is struggling with your spouse, not because they're demon-possessed, but because you've not been treating the relationship as it needs to be treated. Sometimes your problem with your child is not because they're demon impacted, it's because you've not been spending the time with them, encouraging them, speaking truth to them, and maybe over long seasons that, that resistance gets stronger and then the enemy does take advantage of that. But with that, to rise up and recognize what that is, in a time when it is an attack is so important for you to be able to experience freedom and see freedom for other people. This will always be a house where we recognize the activity and with a word. Now, sometimes our words have stronger, have greater strength than other times. God's word is always powerful. But that's why it's important for us to be aligned with the Spirit of God regularly, to be in prayer regularly, to be praying regularly, to be filled up regularly, to be obedient regularly, to to walk in the strength of God so that not only can we be strong to protect our territory, but so that we can help to protect territory of someone in our world who's maybe not strong during this season. And if you find yourself where you're not strong during a season, let somebody know because because we can be strong for you and with you, nurse you back into a spot where you are strong and rise up, amen? Okay, I think I'm done. Um, Final verse, I'm gonna tell you one last little story. Mark chapter six, seven, he called the disciples and he gave them authority over spirits. You know what authority is? I get to decide who comes and goes. And since I've surrendered my whole territory to him, Unholy spirits, you're not allowed. When you show up and you try to put your, uh, you ever have like, if you, if you you probably did this with your, your family. You're in the back and you have your side of the car and they have their side of the car. You ever have a sibling like put their foot over nonchalantly onto your side? And what did you do? Scream at the top of your lungs, Mom! Right? This is my side. There should be something like that that rises up within you spiritually. Come on. When you see a loved one going through something tough, like, oh, no, 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 no. That's just, that's not normal. There's something going on there. God, you've got better things, you've got better stuff. Again, there's a balance with all this stuff, but there are some times when this is what it is. And Jesus, with a word, said, get out. It was a word of authority, it was a submitted to the Father word, Like when you have your life submitted to God, you'll be able to walk in that authority. You'll discern what's going on. You will push it back and you will reposition so that you don't have to keep doing that day after day, having that thing come on, but you'll be able to then walk in the strength that God has for your life. Amen? Amen. I had a close friend. I'm gonna close with this. Um, I'm gonna pray in just a second. They're gonna sing. As I tell the story, if you have been experiencing Again, not the spinning head piece suit, but you—you you recognize now the some things have been going on. I know it's the enemy. And I want, to, I want prayer this morning. I'm gonna invite you as I'm telling this story to make your way, and we're gonna pray. And we're not gonna just make it just today that we're gonna pray. This is gonna be a week of prayer and fasting. Next Sunday, we're gonna talk a little bit more about this. And then for spirit night, we're gonna be inviting the spirit of God to, to teach us to have a, a greater stride in him, walk in greater strength with him. And we'll fight against any other things that need to be fought against that night. Uh, but let me, let me invite you to come if you need special prayer. Um, We're gonna believe God for beginning a breakthrough or breakthrough this morning. Let me just tell you this quick story, okay? I had a real good friend who used to be a part of leadership in this church, and he was hitting the point of his career where he's doing really well, but he confessed to me one day that he at work, a lot of times after lunch, would begin to have anxiety and panic attacks. So much so that he had to get underneath his desk, shaking until it would subside. And while it was something that he was not, he was embarrassed of it, he wasn't proud of it, but he was pretty sure maybe this is just a reaction to food, maybe I'm allergic to something. He went to a naturopath and all of his numbers were all off the charts. And the, doc, the naturopath looked at him and said, I'm really not sure what's going on with you. Listen, if you're having a medical condition and the doctor say to you, I'm not sure what's going on with you, ding! Okay, I'm just telling you, I've learned that. Oh, we're not really sure what's going on. Well, you might, if you fell down and broke your arm, I know what's going on with you. You need healing. We can pray. But if all this craziness is going on, you might consider this. So he was telling me what was going on. He says, Steve, I'm very concerned because this is where it's important for you, parents. I'm watching the same things begin to happen in my son's lives. They're having these same reactions to food and anxiety and fear and night terrors and night tremors. And so we're taking a look at this scripture. I told him, you know, there are people who are having specific physical afflictions. He's like, Steve, I've been praying so much. I've been, but hold on a second. How have you been praying? He said, well, I've been asking God for healing. I said, well, the Bible talks about afflicting spirits and in their body, there's the reaction of what would look like a, sickness, but Jesus never heals them. He casts the sickness out because it's actually deaf, dumb spirit. Seems like something's wrong with the boy he's hearing. Seems like there's something wrong with his mouth, but actually there's something attacking his life. It's a spirit. And I told my friend, I said, I wanna challenge you. Let's take this week together. We'll pray because it's not right, whatever it is, and God can show us what the source of it is. He said, thank you. We're going to do this. I got a call from him about one hour later, and he said, I don't need to spend the week fasting. I know exactly what's going on. What you said today is true, and I'm going on the war path. I'm going to fast, and I'm going to see freedom come from this thing. This inner warrior began to rise up in him. And I am telling you that he began to fast and pray, and we prayed and fasted with him. And instead of asking God to heal him or asking God to deliver him, we laid our hands on him and said, you you thing that keeps putting your foot on his throat because it would affect him every day he'd get up in the morning and wonder is this going to be another day i'm going to be underneath my desk is this going to be another day that whatever we eat my boys are suffering and have meltdowns and night terrors at nighttime is this going to be another one of those days and so we looked at that and we said god i belong to you whatever you are in jesus name you are no longer welcome here. Get out and leave." Now I'll tell you this, we prayed a number of times, but it began to release into over time where he and his family started going to every restaurant that previously would have triggered this and found relief. And there would be times when the feeling would come upon him, but he told me, I just began to pray and say, not today, Satan, not today. And he overcame it. Why? because he recognized that while spirits are real and we have bought into this idea that they don't really have an effect on our life, that's been one of the enemy's greatest narratives because in saying that he's really not involved in our lives today is to allow some of this stuff to put foot on our territory and make our lives less than what should be. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at C3SWWA.com for more information about our church.